Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Hi, I'm Matt Gilbert. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Jeremy Duvall. And I'm Ralph Enough. And if you heard that unique voice, welcome Matt, Admiral of the Panathor Seas, to Countercharge. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Rob Berman, is he as witty in person as he is on social media? No, like with most people, he's just ter- he's, he's the worst loner ever. <laughs> Obviously, the Prevantor Pilgrim has been dropping tons of hints. You've made big splash announcement about this new game Armada this week. We are excited to have you on to chat about more about the mechanics and some of the details about how you've overlaid this fantasy naval game onto an existing Black Seas, you know, from from game from Warlord Games. So, you know, did this come about because Ronnie was digging in his attic and he stumbled on some Man of War models? No, no, I don't think so. I'm not sure he actually got any or any left. Um, I know it's, it's something that we've always wanted to do. It's you know it's it's another facet uh, or another part of the the kind of the Kings of War family of games set in set in the in the world. Um, you know we looked at it and it's, it's been a long time since you know it's, it's obviously Man of War and and Dreadfleet uh, have been out. Obviously there's things like. Uh, Uncharted Seas, and there's larger scale um, uh, games, more heading towards 20, 28 mil type stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, we felt that there was a, um, a, a gap um, and we needed something to, to do for this year. So, you know, Ronnie said, well, you know, I know obviously our friends at Warlord have already got a rule system which we can we can take and adapt, which gives us a head start. You know, we're not having to write something from scratch. Uh, it means it's a game that people will, you know, existing players uh, can be familiar with um you know and they can take their they want their black seas um ships and and uh and and, and use those although uh, obviously that's you know they're limited because they're they're the historical ones and they've, they've only got um, a, a small range which obviously doesn't cover any of the fantasy stuff really um but yeah so we took their their rule set um and uh Obviously adapted it to to fantasy because it's it's set in the uh, you know age of age of sail, that golden age of black powder and stuff. So um, you know it needed a it needed a little bit of work to um, to get it to where we wanted to fit in with Panathor. So how did you guys settle on the name Armada? We went round a few things. Uh, Broadside was one of them for a while, and it was you know and and whether we had called it Kings of War, whatever it was, um, obviously because it being part of that world. I think the box will just have a Kings of War badge on it to make sure you know, to make it clear that it's part of the the family. But uh, we wanted it to be Armada in its own right, you know, just kind of like we've we we called Vanguard uh, Kings of War Vanguard to start with, just to kind of as a, to signpost it. But since then, it's you know it's dropped. It's dropped. We just call it Vanguard. Funny you mention that, Matt, because I see a lot of similarities uh, to what you're doing with Armada to Vanguard, obviously boosters and faction starters and that kind of thing but give us a little history in terms of you what's your history with naval games personally not really much at all i mean i've dabbled with the odd thing i mean i think i I, i've got a copy of man of war but i think i picked that one up off of of ebay i think i missed it with the first time around it was i can't remember exactly when that was out but i think it was around the time when i was 
either either starting to get into other stuff <clears throat> or off to university and um, spending my money on um, alcohol and things like that. Um, and then uh, you know, and I did. I've never really played any of the <clears throat> any of the other any of the other ones. I played a lot of spaceship combat stuff, um, but uh, but never really naval stuff. Only ever at, at shows, you know, sit down for a demo game and things like that. Um, and obviously, I, uh, I then played uh, had a look at uh, Black Seas and played a game of that. And while I was playing it in my head, it was like, right, I'm gonna. I'd have to change that. I need to change that. Yeah, change that bit. You know, tweak that. Okay, yeah, keep that bit. Um, but as a as a as a naval player, personally myself, no, not really. Actually, well, there's a lot of great naval games out there over the years. Uh, you mentioned a few Uncharted Seas, Man of War. I know currently there's Oak and Iron, obviously Black Seas. I remember Pirates of the Spanish Main. I don't know if you guys remember that game, but that's a little plastic card ship. It was like a little plastic credit card. You popped out the pieces and you assembled your boat. So I remember the name. You guys are hit, hit it on the head here, I think. Naval, I think, is going to be very popular. I think it's going to surprise people. There's a lot of people out there that have been waiting for this. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what Ronnie saw and, and hoped. Um, you know, we obviously took a, a punt on it. You know, we haven't gone to Kickstarter on this. We've done it straight to straight to retail because it offers the strength of um, of Kings of War and the you know the um, the the reaction to uh, to version three of that and how how well that went and um, and that, you know and continues to go uh, so obviously you know we're confident in the world of Panathor and the you know the 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 law behind it and the um, you know and the customer base was there to support this it was just um, you know and it was a it was either going to be an okay launch or it was going to be massively successful because it was right at the right time and uh, it was something that everyone was chomping at the bit for uh, and it looks like it's the latter yeah i think it's really like one of those genres that people really love or or have like a really fond place in their heart for like i know growing up man of war was probably one of my uh, favorite specialty games from gw and then through that there's just something about like ship fleet combat that uh you can tell so many great stories with it and it it really just sort of like um sparks the imagination um when you're sort of looking at this game oftentimes when we have people on list builder studio and we're talking about armies we'll ask someone hey give us the elevator pitch of why why should you play this army or what about this army you really like as far as Armada, what's sort of your elevator pitch of trying to, if you were to talk to someone new or maybe uh, getting someone into the game or sort of what's the spiritual core of the game? Well, obviously it's based on, uh, based on Black Seas, which is, uh, you know, established uh, rule set, um, you know, quite pop, pretty popular. I think it's done very, very well actually for, for Warlord. They did, they did it. They had a, a huge launch of it and they've obviously continued to sell it. So you know, it's 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 an established rule set. Obviously, we've adapted it um, for to to fit to fit the um, to fit the world of Panathor and introduce things uh, like uh, you know magical upgrades and and legendary captains and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the the fleets we're launching with, we wanted to make them each one very unique um, and obviously fit with not be balanced within the game but but uh, take each faction and make sure it played very differently but felt like exactly how you expect it to so you take your dwarf fleet and it, and it behaves and, uh, and acts exactly how you'd expect your uh, kind of kings of war dwarfs to behave 
Uh, same with the um, you know the Empire Dust, uh, Basileans, etc. So taking those those known traits and, and, and copying them across, so everything will seem very very familiar. So if you're a Black Seas player, it's a familiar in terms of its mechanics. If you're a if you're a Kings of War Vanguard player, it's a familiar feel in terms of you know the factions you're you're playing and the, and the setting you're in. So I think it's managed to mash those two very well together, and there's some great. Great um, feedback and games played from all the, the playtesting we've managed to do, even though even despite uh, lockdown. Um, I think uh, you know, as I say, everyone. I think it, it it's going to scratch that itch for everyone. Um, and uh, you know, and I think because because of the scale that, that we're playing at, you know, it's going to be easy to collect and paint a fleet. You know, you um, you're probably looking at, you know, you might collect up to. Well, 10, 12 ships, but you're probably not going to play them all at the same time, so you can have some options. Um, so it's going to be, you know, I think the barrier to entry is is quite low, um, which means that, um, you know, more more people can get into it and get, get some games and learn it quickly, and then uh, and then we can and chunk on and, and get some more fleets out to people. Yeah, you know, one of the sort of the questions that sort of popped up a lot in the a lot of the posts, and I think you know people are really excited as sort of the 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 baseline that I've noticed just from social media is that people are really hyped for this game. Um, we we had uh, Billy Capgun, one of our listeners, a great painter. Um, he's curious, and I think he he shares sort of the curiosity of a lot of other players who maybe aren't familiar with Black Seas. Looking to Denzone or Vanguard or Kings of War, the rules for. Uh, Armada, where does that sort of fall in complexity on that spectrum? Probably vanguardish, I would guess. Um, you know, I, I had I had to adapt it to fit our our style anyway, and be familiar with our game. So, Black Seas itself uses negative modifiers are the are the good ones, and positive are the bad because you're trying to roll under a particular number. Whereas you know that's the reverse of all of our other games and what we're used to. So I've had to that you know that was one of the examples of where I flipped it on its head. So your positive modifiers are your good ones, which is what you're expecting. So you know you, you want to hit on a you know, six plus or whatever it is on a on a on a, on a d10 rather than a uh, you know four or less. You know so um, so there's there's things like that where I've had to had to fix it. But I think in terms of Actually, looking at the rule book, you know, the, there's not that many pages of rules, and it's you know, it's fleshed out with lots of art and, and stuff like that. So um, there's, you know, I think the the core mechanics are pretty simple. Um, you know, you've got as usual, you've got your modifiers and stuff to to learn. You know, point blank firing at range. You know, something's partially hidden and all of that stuff to to memorize. But we're, we're giving you a reference sheets and stuff as well, so you know that shouldn't be an issue. Um, the intricacies will be um, just remember, you know, in the, in different situations as they come up, you know, ship positioning and stuff like that. But throughout playtesting, we've tried to iron all of those things out too. So, you know, as as the playtesters have come back and said, oh, well, this was an odd situation. What happens here? You know, we've fixed. I think we've, you know, we've we've fixed as many of those as as, as we could possibly do. Um, and I think, you know, and and also sometimes, you know. It, it comes up, you fix it, you fix it again, you fix it again, and at some point you just say, well, actually, let's, let's scrap all of those fixes because we've just made it more complicated now, and here's the one rule that fixes all of them. Um, so we've gone through that uh, that process um, over the last five, six months, I guess, with all the playtesters, um, most of which has been playtesting online. 
through Vessel because obviously no one could meet <laughs> face-to-face. Being a game designer, I'm curious, what's it like adapting a rule set as opposed to starting one completely from scratch? I imagine that maybe uh, on, on some sort of creative level, it's maybe not as fulfilling, but yet it can also be cool to get in there with, with someone else's partially built clay castle and just tweak it to make it look exactly how you like it. Can you speak a little bit to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, obviously it was, with this one I was quite lucky. So, I think, you know, um, Gabriel Warlord, you know, obviously written quite uh, uh, a decent rule set that, um, you know, the, the historical crowd um, uh, from Warlord have, you know, have kind of fallen in love with and they're playing playing loads. So, you know, there was there was a real solid set that he's done, you know, a good job on that. Um, so I had a good a good thing to start with. Um, I just say it was just it was just adapting it. And at the, at the start, my goal was to try and make it as as easily you know kind of backwardly compatible, or not even backwardly, just as compatible with Black Seas as as possible. So it's much much easier to transition between the two games. As we went through, I felt that you know that was putting the shackles on me slightly. Um, and certainly with things like the, you know, reversing the way that the, uh, the the target to hit and stuff worked, that had some Im- other implications, like in terms of uh, like uh, damage tracking and things like that. Which again, then I had to reverse some some things. So, you know, I I, I did move away from the the hundred percent compatibility with Black Seas, but you know, from a from a, the core mechanics point of view, you know, if you if you know Black Seas, that you know you'll pick this up dead easy. Um, but uh, so I think I think this was an easy one. I think there might have been I think there might be harder ones. You give me a different rule set that I have to adapt. I might have a harder job of it. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think Gabriel's original rule set was a good a good solid place to start, which made my life <laughs> a lot easier. Well, having read the Black Seas rule set, and I've got a bunch of the models and putting those together. You know, I think you guys got a good base for a game because it does strike a very good compromise between being an actual simulation and what I like to call like that more arcadey fun game. And I think it leans more to the game side than than an actual simulation. And I think the rules in Black Seas are only like 30 pages or something. So it's not, you know, this is not uh, a, you know, 250 page tome of rules. Yeah, and I've, I've taken some of that out to potentially put back into you know, modify and put mm-hmm. back into like an uh, expansion in the future. Um, so, you know, everything that uh, Gabriel put into that, that book, I haven't included, you know, I've, I've, I've taken the bits that I, th- I felt were relevant, um, left some, left some out, some bits I've taken and, uh, and applied in a different way, you know, might, you know, via an upgrade or something like that, you know, or a magical item. So, yeah, it's, um, It'll look a little bit different if you know Black Seas, but as I say, it's um, it should it should be you know you shouldn't it shouldn't take long to just just quickly get your head around it and say oh okay yeah, I can see where that's changed. Well, you know the rules are one thing, but one of the things that's really going to get people to the table are those darn boats that you guys have been showing off. <laughs> so, and I noticed they kind of look larger than Man of War, maybe a little smaller than Uncharted Seas. And I know Black Seas is like one seven hundredth. Do you guys have a set scale, or is it just like one seven hundredth heroic scale? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess they are heroic. If you put if you put um, the equivalent uh, our equivalent boat, so we've got we've got the same size categories as as Black Seas, so tiny, small, medium, large, extra large. Um, and you guys haven't seen the extra large ships yet. The, the biggest you've seen is the large one. 
But if you put those against their Black Sea's um, peers, um, you can you can tell ours are are the are, are chunkier, are taller, they're chunkier. But uh, what I did was I just I, I took the Black Sea's um, ships um, and I gave them base sizes because because the Black Sea's rules don't have don't require you to put bases on. But I just felt that. Having a having a defined base meant that there was no arguments in terms of turning or broadside, you know, where your broadsides were or anything like that. So we just put I just put them straight onto bases uh, to make that to make that clear. So that was the first distinction I made between the, the the two rule sets. And once I had my base sizes, we just we gave those to the uh, to our sculptor to uh, to Luigi with the concept art and said that boat needs to fit on this base, but knock yourself out. And he's knocked a lot of people out. <laughs> I mean, the, some of the sculpts that we have been shown are are amazing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the standard table size. Um, I think probably four by four for a standard game. Obviously, a big you know bigger one to play over in an afternoon. You've probably got to you can go up to six by six. Um, I mean, you might want to do that anyway for for pick on some of the scenarios and say actually you know it might be inter- more interesting to play this on a larger surface. All the play testing over the summer was on four by four um and then with a couple of smaller games because the um two-player set comes with an a0 mat which is about what's it two and it's about three and a half by two and a half i think um so you know you can play smaller games on that um and um you know you don't you don't you don't want to put too much terrain down you want to put enough down that it makes it tactically interesting and it breaks up you know your, your your sailing lines and things like that, but um, obviously if you put too much terrain down, you're just going to keep crashing into it. A four by four is that where the six by nine ships per side come in? Yeah, that's that that six six to nines roughly. You know, I, I looked at what the play test had been picking. You know, you know, and, and as, there was a, as we moved through week by week through the play testing, I gave them different things to test. You know, so I'd say this week I want you to test these two fleets, and I want you to test only, and I want you to test these three scenarios. Um, so they so they do that, and then in the next week it might be okay. We've, we've this scenario changed so much. I want you to this this scenario stays this week. I want you to continue testing this one, but we'll we'll ditch the other two and add these two in. Uh, we'll keep that fleet, but we'll add this fleet in instead. So I mi- mixed it up as we uh, as we went through, and then as we neared near the end, we obviously went back and looked at things that we'd uh, we changed a lot went back and retested them and then occasionally we'd mix up and say okay you can pick you can pick any fleet you want and play any scenario let's go and uh, let's go and tidy up and polish up the uh, the bits and pieces we had a couple of weeks where it was like right tell me what tell me how this is broken you know what's what pick pick uh, and choose a fleet and try and break it you know give me something that's 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 uh, you'd take to a tournament and it's disgusting um and uh you know so then then we were looking at that and what was broken and what what you could take too much of or not not enough of so you know throughout throughout all of that process i think we've got to got to a pretty good place and i think you can build some strong lists but you know i think we've uh, the the and the fleet building rules are fairly lax but i think they're they're in a really good place and actually and with the the selection of ships you've got, I don't, I don't think, obviously, it's about to go out to people. And as soon as, as soon as someone opens a rule book, they go, ah, look what I can do. But uh, I don't think uh, there's anything too horrifically broken there. And so there'll be strong lists, but they, but they, you know, they might not work in a particular scenario. So 
um, you know, the scenarios can earn a little or a balancing factor too. So how well does the game scale up? Like, so if we're saying six by nine, you know, six to nine ships aside on a four by four, if you're talking six by four, you know, what kind of fleet size are we, or would you be expecting to see? Um, you probably add another three or four ships at that point. I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's down to, I think obviously your, your first few games are going to take you longer because you're just getting your head around the, uh, the rules and how your ships work and your fleets and, and modifiers and all of that stuff. But I think, I think you could probably play uh, a decent sized game, 15, 15 ships aside. You'd probably play that in an afternoon, you know, with, with breaks for beer and <laughs> snacks and things like that. Um, so I think, you know, I don't think it's any different to uh, Kings of War in terms of your standard, you know, standard game size. You know, you could, you could run this in tournaments, um, you know, and people, people might be done in an hour and a half. You know, people might take the full two hours because that's how they—that's how that particular game's gone. But I think you know, it's it, it's comparable to Kings of War in, in in that regard. I think in terms of standard size, you know, if you imagine that the two 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 hundred fifty point uh, fleet game here is equivalent to the kind of the two and a half two thousand two thousand three hundred point uh, Kings of War game, it'll probably playing about the same time. You know, I really like that addition of. Um adding the specific base base size for size of ship because that's something that kings of war players are really familiar with right you have a troop a regiment a horde a legion that footprint gets bigger 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 so i i like that idea of the ships also sort of kind of loosely fitting within that structure was that something kind of not just for gameplay mechanics is that something that kind of entered into your head as being something people are used to having Certain base size represents unit sizes. Not really. As I said, the the original, the, the my initial reaction to looking at Black Seas was, I want to put bases on this game, uh, just for clarity. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then once, once I'd made that decision, it was easy to then look at the size categories and then pick based on the the Black Seas ships the what size those bases should be. Obviously, once that's that's there, that's now cast in stone um and then in the, then you're right yes every, so if someone now says i've got a large ship you know exactly what size that footprint is regardless of what the model is so so yeah it, it, it gets to there but that's wasn't my original intention can you take us through maybe any other sort of additions or changes that separate armada from black seas anything that sort of when you think about it just pop right into your head as stuff you guys added or tweaked um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of little stuff, as I said, as, as the playtesters were coming back, there was lots of where there were situations, what happens here, what happens there, you know, what, you know, if, if X and Y occur, what does it mean? So there's lots of, lots of things where I think there's probably lots of things we've clarified and, um, in the rules and, and, and tidied up. And I probably, I started off by, uh, literally taking the Black Seas rules to one side of me on my laptop on my desk and typing it into, into a, a Word document and then started, re, you know, organizing a circle. I want that there and that there. So, you know, and, and then those things have just been edited and polished as I've gone. So the biggest changes were, um, the reversal of the, the to hit stuff, um, that forced me to change uh, the stat line because in Black Seas you have um, an amount of um, I think they call it hull points or, or, or ship points or, or structure points something like that we call it ship points 
um, well, we call it structure points, um, and you uh, you have a slider on your cards to to reduce it. So every time you take damage, you're reducing it, and then you get to a point where you might um, you might uh, surrender. Because we, I wanted to, uh, I didn't want that slider. I wanted um, a tokens, and on on the ship card, there's an area where you can stack your damage tokens. You're counting them up rather than doing them down. So rather than force people to do mental maths in their head, um, I, I swapped it around. So you you have a uh, your ship points um, is the maximum amount of damage you can take. But then um, and using um, Kings of War terminology, you have a nerve level, which is the point you might surrender. But that's so while you're going down to that in um, in Black Seas, you're going up to that in in um in armada so when you hit that level that's the point that your ship is uh you know your ship's crippled and you might surrender so it's just it's just reversing you know re- reversing that so it's just it's just flipping it from one one way to the other um so little things like that and then obviously that those those then have ripple knock-on effects to tests and uh, and all sorts of things um the i don't know that the, the the standard wind rules in um, Black Seas obviously use the the position of the uh, the windrows on the um, on the map, and that determines your initiative. But it also affects um, maximum speeds and stuff you can you can do. And then they've got um, a second, more advanced uh, set of wind rules, which are, um, are aimed to be more realistic, uh, uh, more realistic again. I looking at it with all the magic and stuff we had, and you know the dwarfs having engines, um, which obviously don't really get affected by the uh, uh, the wind. Um, I've removed. I, what I've done is I've kind of gone back one level. So the the Black Sea's standard wind rules are our optional advanced wind rules, and the only thing the windrows does for us is determine initiative. So as the wind moves, uh, moves around, um, you know, you, you'll, you'll sweep your line line across the, the board from the wind direction and that will set your initiative for your ships. So that's our that's our uh, baseline. So the wind is just determining initiative. It doesn't affect speed or anything unless you want to play the optional rules. So that was a big change as well. Um, but I think well, as soon as as soon as I, I as soon as we, we did that and, and got rid of the wind, it made much it, it made sense. It, you know, every. It was a it was a much easier to balance all the uh, the fleets against each other because not one of them didn't have an advantage because they um, great at using the wind or, or ignored it completely. Um, so it's it's things like that. So um, um, are there any other uh, other ones? Perhaps the critical hit tables. There's two in Black Seas. I've just combined them into one. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's there's some. I suppose big-ish changes, but actually fundamentally they aren't really. Um, so as I say, from, if you're a Black Seas player already, you'll, you'll you'll spot the differences, but it won't be hard to to adjust. And and you mentioned it briefly there, but in, in looking at sort of you know Vanguard and Kings of War, um, what were some of the thematic elements that you guys brought into Black Seas? Like you mentioned, magic as being one of those things. Um, are we going to see command dice or talk a little bit about magic or talk a little, little no, bit so about the, the, the dice? Are exactly, the core mechanics like dice are exactly the same as, um, as black seas. 
uh, other than me swapping around those, um, you know, the maths for the uh, for the to hit. So it uses uh, D10s um, and exactly the same recommended uh, dice colours for your different weapon types. For so you got light 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 weapons and then Black Seas calls them uh, always calls them cannons. I've called them weapons and weapon positions because of course we've got you know you might have magical uh, weapons you might have bolt throwers catapults whatever um rather than just cannons all the time um so yeah so our weapons light weapons heavy weapons uh got the kind of the uh, close assault weapons uh, indirect weapons so we've all got different colored dice um we've in we've i added uh, a green dice green d10 for the uh indirect weapons because uh that th- there wasn't that distinction you could use any color dice you wanted in um in black seas but i've you know with with, with the opportunity to, to do it uh, to start from scratch in terms of specking the game um we just we just did a, a fourth color um for your for your indirect so it's so it's distinct um so so things like that um but in terms of bringing stuff across you know obviously we looked at the fleets um and the, the basilians you know have things like blessed hulls and um you know design aesthetics you've got the aloe and stuff which is obviously bringing the law across and the the abbess which is the large ship the dictator is their xl ship um so that you know those things are being brought across they're, they're special each each fleet has some special rules um, and some uh, that the boat that some of the boats might have, um, and that the fleet and then all the boats within the, the fleet have as well. And they'll be very uh, thematic to the um, to the the themes and the tropes that uh, people will be familiar with from from Kings of War and Vanguard. Um, so you know the orcs. The orcs are just violent and they love to crash into things and, and smash things up. And, you know, they're, they are allowed to ram um, if they've got the ram rule, whereas most of the time you're not you, you're not allowed to purposefully hit other boats. Um, but the orcs don't care. Um, you know, so that's that's one of their rules. And they're great at boarding actions, as you'd expect. Um, the, und- the undead, the uh, Empire Dust um, have got, you know, they're, uh, they can fire lightning bolts and things like that, off, certainly off their XL ship. Um, and they're, some of their smaller ships are great at, you know, almost like life leeching and stuff, and uh, or being sacrificial, so you can put damage from from you know ships. Actually, I'm going to put them on on my uh, on my small squadrons instead, so almost like meat shields. Um, so you know, we've, we've, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had by taking the obviously what was an historical set and saying okay how can we how can we apply all this stuff from from that we've got from Kings of War and uh, and uh, and Vanguard and what we've established as as being the kind of the the, the themes of all the, these factions and and make and turn that into rules and and fun little things for for this game I think um, you know I think. With the help of all the playtesters, I think we've got there. I think it's great. They all play really differently, and they all, but as I said, play as you'd expect them to. What was your thought on naming the ships after units in Kings of War? Because I placed my pre-order yesterday, and I ordered a Basilean Abyss, which you know is a medium-sized ship. Uh, <laughs> it well, threw them off. The large ship. Yeah. Large ship. Sorry. Yeah, it's a large ship, and so they were like, "Well, do you, what do you mean?" You don't play Basilean in Kings of War. And I had to explain to him, no, I don't want the actual Basilean abbess from the Kings of War army. I want this Basilean ship. So, uh, but because 
are all the factions like that? Were they named after uh, unit types, or is that just just for the Basilean fleet? Uh, so the XL ship from the um, Empire of Dust is the monolith. Um, and then so um, three of the uh, three of the XL ships that are coming out have got legendary versions of them. So the legendary version of the uh, the monolith is uh, Shobik's Wrath. Um, so that kit will come with two alternate parts. So you can make it one way or the other. Um, and you'll get two ship cards with it, so you can have one or the other. Uh, the dwarves have got a legendary ship, but it's on one of their mediums. So you actually get that one in the, uh, I think it's the starter set. So you'll get the, the legendary card for that and the optional part in, in there as well. Um, but yeah, we didn't do it on all of them. So the orcs um, have got uh, Bloodrunner, Smasher, uh, Hammer Fists. So, you know, they're obviously not. Not existing unit names. Um, it felt right to do it for the Basileans um, and uh, Empire Dust. Uh, are similar names, um, but then we've got Capeshi and we've got Dust Chaser, which uh, which aren't. But they're obviously Dust Chasers, kind of hinting at desert and uh, Capeshi's. You know, um, a, a boat from that kind of uh, aesthetic that we wanted. You know. Um, and then the dwarfs, we've got one of the dwarfs was, uh, was originally called a Brock, but we changed that because it wasn't, it didn't really fit its role. So it's now called the Fury because uh, it's got flame cannons on it. Um, and the uh, and the big the big XL for the uh, for the uh, dwarfs is the Dreadnought. Um, so you know they've got they've got obviously thematic names, but not always exactly mirroring um, Kings of War or Vanguard. Absolutely. Now you have an orc smasher, which looks like it has giant iron jaws at the end of the you know at the prow, and it's got flame on the inside. So tell me that that that's got an in-game effect. I mean, they, I mean any ship can catch fire, so uh, you know. So there are um, you know there's some there'll be some special rules or magic items that will cause fire. There's the um, Empire of Dust can fire bale fire, which will, which can obviously set ships alight. Um, and if your ship's alight, you probably want to try and put it out in case your ship explodes. Uh, it's just the same as in um, in Black Seas. Um, but with the, yeah, with the Orcs, the, um, uh, basically we said to the con- uh, Rob, Rob Jenks, who did the, uh, all the concepting for the, the ships, I just said, well, yeah, let's make them ludicrous. Um, because the, the orcs don't the orcs don't know how to build anything themselves. You know, it's just just beyond them. And they don't care. Um, but so the goblins build uh, the ships for the orcs, but the orcs will just demand the most ludicrous things on them, um, even if they're completely impractical and pro- probably no one can believe that they actually sail. Um, yeah. So, uh, but so that was that was kind of the brief. It's like, yeah, just make them ridiculous. Um, and yes, that you know the. These are these ships um, are designed for just boarding and ramming, so um, so knock yourself out and he, uh, uh, he did. <laughs> well, and you mentioned goblins. I was shocked not to see a goblin faction because obviously Rob Berman's got some pull at Mantic. He thinks he's got some pull, but he hasn't really. So, but yeah, they got the goblins are there, but it's just because it's because they build the boats for the uh, for the orcs. So let's talk a little bit about how you build your fleet. We're coming from Kings of War, but like, just give us an overview. How would you build a fleet? You know, I guess I assume there's points and you buy your boats 
And then how do you work? In, are they upgrades, things like heroes and wizards and that kind of thing? Or just give an overview of how you build a fleet. One of the things I did uh, is basically took a zero off the end of um, the numbers in uh, Black Seas and started from there. So it's so it's you know, similar to Vanguard in the terms of in terms of number of points that you're spending. So I think a typical typical game, I think the playtesters were up to is around the 200 to 250 mark. So about 250, I think they settled on, which is where we've said is the kind of the standard game, uh, 150 being a smaller game. Um, so, you know, that would be a familiar kind of points limit for, for, for people who are, who are Vanguard players. So, yes, yeah, so you've got uh, from that, you've got uh, the ships are split into two types. So you've got main battleships and um, support ships. Um, so you can't you can't select just support ships. Uh, you have to select um, at least one main battle uh, ship to start with, and then you can have up to two support for every one uh, main battleship you have. Um, and other than that, for every full uh, fifty points in your fleet, you have to have one ship. So at two hundred and fifty points, you'd have to pick five ships at least, um, and that's kind of almost it there's there's the odd there's the odd thing where you've got a ship which might have a uh, be a unique name best named vessel like these legendary ones we we're talking about <clears throat> you can obviously only have one of those and they're marked with a one in the square brackets just like they are in um in kings of war so that's familiar um that's really that that's the fleet building rules and we didn't need to do i mean we, we did tweak it as we went and we introduced that one full one ship for every full 50 points um because that stopped some of the people taking just a, a fleet of, um, you know, three XL ships, um, which wasn't the intention. You know, that's 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 your big monster, if you like, and your you, you showpiece uh, centre of your fleet, and you should really probably be you know, having one of those. So just putting that, making that simple rule there fixed those. Um, um, and, that, and that's, as I say, that's it in terms of your, your fleet building, building rule. So it's not, it's not complicated. Um, on top of that, there are uh, standard upgrades and uh, magical upgrades. So standard upgrades, everyone's got access to. So there's a table in there of um, uh, things like um, your boarding nets and uh, adding a master carpenter and, uh, and things like that. Um, and then there's some standard magical upgrades. Um, and I've taken some of those are taken from uh, the same names as from Kings of War, so you can have a brew of strength and fire oil, and there's a mind fog scroll and things like that that everyone's got access to. Um, and your ship size determines how many upgrades you can take. Each fleet then gets um, a couple of unique uh, magic upgrades and upgrades that only it can take. You know, so the orcs can take like Morax, for example, for their for boarding parties, um, and every fleet gets a pair of named uh, captains you can take as well as captain upgrades. Uh, you can take those. Uh, you can only take one of those in the fleet, though. So you have to choose which one, <laughs> which one you want, and they can only go on a main battleship. Um, so there's loads, loads of options. Um, you know, standard ones and and fleet specific ones, um, and then on top of all of that, you can pick your crew level. So that hasn't changed from Black Seas. So you've got uh, inexperienced crew, regular crew, and veteran crew, um, and that affects the uh, the points value of the ship as a as a percentage. Um, so you know you apply apply you know, build your fleet and then adjust for your your crew levels, um, and then away you go. 
That's cool. So you're sort of um, giving some basic buffs that any fleet could take, but also your particular fleet could have special characters, or if you want to use the legendary version of the boat within the kit itself, you said the components to sort of tweak that ship into the le- the legendary version will come in just the, the basic ship box whatever for whatever ship that it happens to be. Yes. Yeah, awesome. correct. So can you take us through, just give us a, a brief overload of, of, of what a turn may look like, just like the basic turn sequence for Armada? Yeah, so uh, that's, that hasn't changed from, from Black Seas. So you start by, uh, you, know, we, you play um, uh, a number of turns. At the start of each turn, you'll roll for the uh, wind direction. You know, depending on the, the scenario you're playing, will will tell you what where the wind is coming in um, in turn uh, one. Um, there's the odd one which sets it for a number of turns, and then the wind kicks in. Or um, there's one which is a one based on a storm, and that that tells you where the wind moves each turn. It actually, it moves around in a circle, so you can try, you know you can work out as the wind moves where you need to be to get the initiative. So you roll for roll for your wind as uh, standard, and that will that will determine whether the wind stays where it is, or whether it moves one point around the compass uh, uh, clockwise or anti-clockwise. And then you you your you work your ships, uh, you alternate through the ships um, based on where they are in relation to the wind. So so say the wind was uh, coming directly from the uh, east, you'd sweep a line from the east across towards the west, and as it hits a ship that ship then activates. Um, and then once it's finished its activation, you move, keep move the line on again and the next hit, uh, ship it hits, uh, that one activates again. So, you know, as, as, as the wind moves around, the, the order that, and obviously as the ships move around, the order that they're going to activate, um, you know, you can try and predict or try and set up but it might be it might be fickle and you might not get got it quite as you as, as you're expecting. So then, when a ship activates, uh, depending on its speed, um, and you can be anchored, or you can go at um, steady speed, battle speed, or full speed. Um, that gives you a number of uh, times that you can move. So, say you were going at battle speed, you could then move twice. So, what you do is you move uh, move straight forwards up to your uh, your movement value, say it's four, so you'd move four inches. <clears throat> then you can uh, turn if you want to at the end of that movement step. Um, and each ship has got two different turning angles, uh, red or yellow. Yellow is the narrower one. So at the end of your uh, move, you can turn up to that turning angle. And then you do your second move. And again, then you can turn turn if you want. Um, at the end of each move step, you can shoot um you can know you've got four gun positions on your on your boat uh front back and your two broadsides uh in a turn unless you've got some captain or magical item or something which lets you do otherwise you can only fire each one once so you know you might move fire your forward guns move again turn fire your broadsides for example what you couldn't do is fire your broadsides and then fire them again um so then when you finished all your moving and your shooting, uh, you can then uh, attempt to grapple any ships that are close to you, uh, pull them in, and then initiate a boarding action. Um, and once that's complete, that ship's activation is over, and then you move on to the next one. Cool, and you just do that until until everyone's activated both their, all their ships, basically, on each, each, each player? 
Yeah, and then you move it. Then once once they're all done, then uh, you move into the end phase. Do any cleanup, anything that needs to be done in in the end phase. Um, check your scenario conditions, and then go to a new turn if 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 you needs be, or uh, yeah, if the game hasn't ended yet. So um, and, you know, what, and is is there set turns in in that game? I'm not super familiar with it. Or is there do you do you roll off for an optional final turn? Or uh, each scenario will tell you how many turns Got it is. It. It's typically about eight. I want to jump in and talk about terrain. Well, you are the t- the tool man, the terrain tool man. So, <laughs> oh, but I'm seeing these like tables, Matt, with expanses of water, but not a lot of terrain. So, tell me, what role does terrain play in the game? Well, terrain terrain is something that you probably want to avoid because if you crash into it, it's going to cause you a, a lot of damage. So, terrain. I mean, there's a, there's some sometimes terrain we've put into uh, specific terrain into some of the um, some of the scenarios. You know where maybe there's there's one where there's there's, there's sandbanks that you have to put out which have got um, mortar emplacements in that um, that you're trying to get get past. Um, there's one where there's uh, a harbour and some islands that you're trying to um, trying to capture at one end of the board and you're both trying to get there um, but you're being pushed back by the wind. Um, there's ones where you know islands where you you're trying to capture treasure off the islands. Um, so. So the terrain can be it can be there for the specifically for the scenario, but otherwise you're placing it down to just like in, in Kings of War or Vanguard to break up uh, fire lanes and, and and you know and it's not just a, a, a slog in the middle with um, with uh, with nothing to manoeuvre around or anything like that. But um, obviously you do need some decent expanses of water to be able to to move around and uh, etc. So you don't want you don't want to have you know. 24 islands on the on the, the table because you, you know you, it'd be almost be impossible to move through you'd be crawling through it so you need you're just striking a balance between having it look great um and be tactically uh you know tactically challenging without stifling the game and uh, you know and, and, and killing maneuverability and, and stuff like that so you know i think you'd certainly have less terrain than a um than a kings of war table you know, probably, but um, I think it, it, it's one for one for players and their play style. Um, one of the things the um, uh, one of the guys, John Guns, is looking at in our playtest group at the moment is the rules for tournaments. So he's looking at how how the scenarios can be scored for tournaments and stuff. And you know, one of the things we'll look at as well is is recommended. Um, setups for you know amount of terrain and where to put it and stuff like that in tournament scenarios yeah what happens if you hit the edge of the uh, table you you leave but then you come back on you come back on on a later turn where you came off um, and if you if your ship was on fire then you obviously you can you still have to roll for that but you've got a chance to then you know put the fire out before you get there before you come back on but um you know that you, you don't bounce off the edge <laughs> Well, why don't we talk about scenarios? You mentioned it. Uh, how many scenarios are in the book? Uh, and give me a feel for what kind of missions uh, we're going to be dealing with. So there are 10 in the book. Uh, that was a nice, easy number to do because you can roll a D10 and, and it picks one for you randomly. Um, so that was an easy one to do. They are, if I go through them, uh, Maritime Patrol, which is your basic kind of 
put a couple of uh, sandbanks or rocks down between you and it's your it's your kill scenario it's your learn the mechanics um you know a, a quick game but with no you know nothing to think about really other than destroying the enemy um that's that's your, that's your opening simple one after that you've got um uh, capture the kraken which is uh, which was originally based on the uh, capture the giant from uh, Vanguard. Obviously, it's been modified and things uh, to do it, but it's very similar. So that kraken will start in the middle and move around, and you've got to, you know, the, the, the both sides have got to got to try and uh, capture it and wound it. Uh, the vortex, um, which is uh, the one I was talking about, where the wind spins around you, um, and uh, and you're, you start in the corners. Um, we've got an X marks the spot, which is um, one a treasure uh, treasure capturing one, um, where you need just kind of your smaller boats to get in close to the islands to to capture stuff. And, but they're limited in what they can carry, so that you can ferry ferry treasure across to your bigger ships. Um, but uh, obviously, if you if you lose your ship, then it's then you you, you lose your treasure. Um, we've got hunt the flagship, um, where which is which is a kind of Almost like an ambush one, where you've got uh, where you choose your your attacker and your defender, and the defender's got to get their flagship across from one side to the other, and the attacker's coming in from both sides. Um, storm is brewing, which introduces uses the like the the rain squalls and things like that, and uh, can't get too close to the to the the, um, the storms where you get hit by lightning. Um, attack waves, which is. Um, so the kind of attacker sets up in the middle. The defenders are on one side, and they need to get through, break through, and get to uh, get to the other side. Uh, flotsam and jetsam one, which is where you've got loot counters scattered across the board, and you've got to get out and, uh, and capture them. It's person with the most loot counters. Um, treaty and treachery is quite uh, quite interesting one. So the players start in kind of the bottom corners, and they've both got a ship from their fleet up up the top. Which um, representing you know some diplomatic relations that were going on, but then something happens, some smoke appears or something, and the two ships break away, and they need to escape, um, while the while the fleets keep themselves into life and try and obviously destroy the the the, the, uh, the opponent's um, the opponent's ship, um, and then the last one's plant the flag, which is the uh, the harbour capturing one we t- we talked about. So again, you start in the bottom corners, and the harbours up the harbour and the islands are up the top, and you've got to get up there and try and get as close as you can and score score your victory points there but the the wind's blowing from the north and you know, might might end up pushing you back so you know we tried to mix it up um i think there's some quite some pretty fun ones in there and there's some some real favorites from the uh from the play testers um and uh and uh, you know we'll uh we'll uh, we'll continue to think of new ones to bring to bring more out down the line you know, Vanguard is another example. And Kings of War, you know, scenarios are the spice of life. Uh, we're excited. And you, you had me at uh, Capture the Kraken. So Steve Hildrew does ask, what effect will Magic have on the game? Uh, it's more of a, it's, it's, it's subtle at the moment. So there's obviously there's magical items and magical upgrades. Um, some of the, I suppose some of the captains have got some quite fantastical uh, abilities. Um it's not, you know, it's not here yet, but we've been looking at, you know, in the background, I've got a Kingdoms of Men fleet sketched out and play tested um, for that. One of their upgrade, one of their standard upgrades, I think, is a War Wizard, you know, which you can cast fireballs and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's a mix. 
um, you know, it's not massive. You know, there's no magic phase or anything like that. It's not, you know, there's nothing, you know. So in terms of similarity to Kings of War, it's more like that. So you know, it's it's there. It's in the background. It's it's through magic items and things like that. And uh, you know, but there isn't a raft of spells that you can choose from. Um, you know, we focused more on the more on the ships and added magic um, as a flavour for things. Um, but you know, down the line with new new factions and things, you know, it might 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 we might decide that actually it fits this faction to have a lot more magic and, and things it can do. Um, so so we'll see. Kind of hinted at, you know, that Armada, the factions in Armada will be logically based on their geography within Panthor. So ogres on the Mammoth Steps really doesn't make sense for them to have a fleet. <laughs> they don't have any access to the water. No, so we, we describe them as being, you know, they're just like they are in Kings of War, they're mercenaries. Obviously, you know, so there might be the odd, the odd ogre that's decided that he wants a, um, or he or she, uh, might be a matriarch or something, and has decided that they want a ship. But you can't build a fleet out of that, you know, and you can't have a, um, so, you know, it might be down the line, maybe we bring out an ogre mercenary ship, a single ship that you can buy into your fleet or something. Um, but yeah, there's certainly no ogre fleets roaming around that we know of. Um, who knows? The world is bigger than we've still seen on the map. Um, you know, and there's, you know, we, it was a toss up between obviously with the, with the doing an undead fleet was, do we do the empire of dust or do we do, uh, undead? And uh, I went with the empire of empire of dust. Cause I thought it was a actually more interesting looking ships and more interesting, um, than perhaps the undead. Cause that would have just probably looked, be very easy to just copy the designs from, um, you know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or something like that. So there are some that I want to think about in more detail. I think the hardest one to do, bizarrely, is Trident Realm, because to do them justice in what they're obviously capable of and not make them so hopelessly unbalanced uh, that this point is bringing them out is is hard. So I know people are looking forward to uh, Trident Realms, but I think it's going to be one of the, the, the tougher ones to do. I think it would look, if we can pull it off, I think they'd look beautiful. Um, but it's just it, it's, it's just working out exactly how to how to do them um, and do do them justice, but not break the game with them. I, I could also see Trident Realms having a lot more organic elements, you know, because uh, obviously they're one with nature, they're in the sea. Yeah. Definitely, there wouldn't be ships. You know, you're looking at um, well, you know, you know, giant turtles or or you know, giant narwhals or something with well, perhaps with platforms built on them for naiad boarding parties and things like that. But you know, they, you know, they you imagine these things are going to be coming from underneath, so they'd just destroy ships. <laughs> so, exactly. So, you know, how, do, how do you, from a game balance and mechanics point of view, how do you stop that from just being horrific and still making and still having rules that make sense rather than you know, while this this having rules that then feel like they're putting the brakes on the on the faction. Yeah, I mean it's important to have both the aesthetic quality of the army to feel to look like it should look, and at the same time have rules that support it to. When you're playing them, you feel like tactically they're playing the way in your mind that they, they should play. But let's talk about the first four factions that you've chosen. Is it a coincidence that there's no neutral factions in the first four? In this, there's no so uh, there's no concept in here of um, good, neutral, evil. Um, you know, they just haven't just haven't uh, done that at all. Um, obviously, the that those the same factions map across to. Vanguard and Kings of War, so that they, you can you can obviously determine what their what their, their alignments are. Um, 
no particular reason for not doing um, neutral. Um, these are just the four that we that we we chose. We picked on ones that would be, uh, you know, RIP plus things that were familiar to people um, uh, for for getting started before we delved in, you know, into any more factions. Um, so you know, we you know we've got uh, I've got in concepting at the moment. I've got um, more fleets, um, you know, and if we if we get through them in time, we might show some of those off before the end of the uh, you know the build up. Um, but they're, you know, they're, we're working on those at the moment, um, and then they'll go straight into straight into sculpting, pretty much. Um, so, you know, so we are, you know, we're, we're here. To, this, this is here to stay and to, and to be supported. Yeah, it's definitely part of the Kings of War family. Um, but um, yeah, is in terms of, in terms of alignment. So it's not part of this game certainly at the moment. Possibly down the line, um, if if needs be. Um, but yeah, no particular reason why we. Where, uh, in terms of alignment, why there's no neutral ones. So obviously you've got Orcs and Basilean coming out in November with the starter box and with their uh, faction starters and boosters. Basilean makes perfect sense, right? That's the flagship, Mantic, IP, good guys. Orcs, awesome, because I think it lets you do some real, as you, as you alluded to, and for those that haven't seen the pictures... <laughs> these boats are insane. <laughs> some of the, some of the stuff, you know, fire and iron jaws. You got one with a steel fist. You got one with a giant drill on the front. So, I mean, it's, it's bonkers. Uh, and then, you know, pushing into Q1 and do we know Q1 is that January you're shooting for? Or do we know anything more than Q1? Yeah, I do. So we do in Q1 have empire of dust and we have dwarves, obviously dwarves. I mean, come on, Ronnie's not going to let you not have dwarves in there. Plus it allows to have, Ironclads. Yes, the the, X, the XL ships are out Q1 as well. Yeah. So the the dictator for the Basileans, the um, the Ripper Hulk for the uh, Orcs, the Monolith, and the yeah the Dreadnought. And those are the ones that are going to have legendary versions, right? Except for the dwarfs. So the dwarfs legendary ship for certainly in this, in this first wave of stuff is one of the the medium ones. So the dwarf Runax has a legendary version. Why didn't we have, you know, the Basilean and Orc extra-large ship uh, available in November? Because if we release everything at once from a from a, just a production and capacity point of view, we couldn't do it. Um, and from a, obviously from a commercial point of view, you don't release everything all in one go because uh, you've got nothing left to sell later. You know, and it, and it, and it lets people get used to um, the fleets before adding adding something new in. You know, and it keeps it keeps obviously from a you know from a from a gamer's point of view and from a commercial point of view, it keeps the it keeps it keeps people's interest there. They see something's coming. Oh, great! Well, I'm going to continue to play with this in the meantime, and I can't wait to get this. You know, so it's it's commercial reasons, um, excitement reasons, um, production capacity reasons. All of them. It you know you always spread out a range. You know, man, no matter what game it is. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't and wouldn't ever release everything all at once. So you mentioned it, uh, Matt, a little bit about um, uh, the game being here to stay and moving forward. So is it sort of within your guys, you know, if we saw Ronnie's vision board for Armada, besides ships called uh, the the Renton-class destroyer, obviously, <laughs> um, do you guys see trying to do fleets for for all the Kings of War factions at some point, or are you kind of a la Vanguard where each year you're releasing some, a, a, a couple of fleets per year on the different uh, armies? 
I think it's probably more the more the latter because you, you think about the, the amount of stuff that we have to support. You know, we don't we never want to never want to drop games, but you know, by the time you got Kings of War and Vanguard and and this and the, all the sci-fi stuff and everything else, you know, you can't you can't stuff a game from a capacity point of view and just from a people's ability to keep up with stuff. You can't choke the um, the release schedule with you know 200 products every month so you know you need to keep it on a on a on a cycle that keeps keeps everyone's interest going keeps the game fresh uh, etc um, so you know uh, there's a lot of factions in uh, kings of war some of them actually probably wouldn't make sense to do or they would be uh, down the line uh, some might be combined um, so you know certainly yeah i've got plans for for certainly the next four, and I'm thinking about the ones after that. Um, but to get, I think what I can't remember what we've got now is it 26 factions or something. Plus you've got themes and stuff as well now in Kings of War. You know that's that would be an awful lot of uh, product to release. Uh, but for those, so, you know, we, don't, those... we don't want to abandon. We don't want people to feel abandoned. But actually, sure. this is a new. This is a you know this is a new game. This is a new opportunity. You know, not many people are going to have. Any anything like this, um, or any any fleets collected already? You know, they might they might have some some proxies and stuff they can use. But this is a, this is an ideal opportunity. People say, actually, you know, I normally play I don't know Abyssal Dwarves. The Abyssal Dwarves aren't out yet, so I'm going to pick up Orcs or, or whatever. Because I think that you know, the, the, I don't think it's a particular as I said, a high barrier to entry. You haven't got a lot to paint, so it's actually easy to start something new that you've never tried before. But players might expect to see sometime next year additional fleets come out. Or are you guys going to really be focusing over the next year in 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 um, the four main factions? Oh, no, the um, so as I said, I've got I've got another four that I'm uh, in concepting now. I'll go straight into sculpting. So the, okay, there's, cool. there's, so there, yeah, the post Q1, you know, I might look at I might look at doing some alternate versions of some of the ones for the original four, but there's certainly, you know, you'll start to see the uh, the new ones coming out. Now, will we see we had some questions. This one was a, a funny one from Matthew Temple of uh, wondering if the abyssals are going to have aircraft carriers that launch uh, gargoyles. So, I'm just curious, are we going to see any like organic things like dragons or fantasy monsters is that something maybe down the road or uh that's that's definitely down the road so that's that's all stuff that i've parked in my head and the playtesters know i've done that for future expansions if the game does well because obviously there's no point um sculpting all of that stuff and concepting and stuff and you know and spending my money if, if the game doesn't do well but if the game does do well i absolutely want to do that you'll see in the um there's some art in the in the book. You'll see that uh, that hints to that sort of stuff because you'll see dwarf airships uh, attacking uh, as part of a siege, uh, you know, a naval siege. Um, so I'd absolutely love to get there and do squadrons of wingets and all sorts of things. Um, that would be great. But um, I think that's definitely an expansion down the line. Um, if, we, just, you know, if we can if we can get there, we need everyone's support to do it. I just remember I had such a fond memory of like flying around in um, my dwarf balloon. Blue war balloons in um, uh, Manor War and dropping bombs on people, and I, I just, I really think that that's an interesting because uh, with how naval ships have naval ship games have gone over the last couple of years, they've been more historical based. Uh, so I think it's going to be really cool to see the the core of that, but to add on all this like great fantasy flavor. I think I really think uh, uh, there's a niche for this style of game to be filled. So I know I'm excited, you guys. 
um, are working on it. Yeah, and I think yeah, Ronnie was he, he thought that it was there, the interest was there, so you know we took the punt on it, and uh, I think he was obviously he was right. <laughs> so how did you guys kind of settle on resin? I know your in-house resin has been a thing you've really worked on developing over the last couple of years, and I know uh, uh, having got a lot of it myself, it's really top notch. Can you speak a little bit on how you guys sort of uh, decided on resin as a, a medium? Well, we didn't want to take this to uh, Kickstarter, um, and for the, to do all of everything we've got in plastic would have been a, a huge capital investment, which you can't, which we just can't do outside of Kickstarter. Um, so you know, and so the the things open open to us are plastic, resin, or metal. Now you've seen the size of the Abess, and then of course you've got the XL ships afterwards. You don't want to do <laughs> doing those in metal. Um, so you know it, it's resin. Our, uh, resin. Our resin holds detail beautifully. You know we can. You know we've got uh, we've got high capacity on it that we can pump out. Obviously we're going to have to increase capacity or, or are increasing capacity for to to bring this online um, and obviously st- and still support all the other stuff as well. So it's kind of the, the the natural natural choice. You know if 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 we were a much bigger company um, and we had the had the capital to do it um, and we knew it was going to be this, you know a massive success, yeah, of course we'd have we'd have uh, we'd have seriously looked at doing doing stuff in plastic, you know, or certainly like all the two player starter set stuff and things like that. But um, you know, and I think the, the difference difference we've got between between us and Warlord, Warl, you know, all, each of our ships ships is unique. So you know that's a that's that's plastic for every single one of those 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 ships, which is which is a huge investment. Warlord, uh, you know, and obviously you know, sensibly from a commercial point of view, looked at it and went, well, actually, historically, all of these ships have the same base, so we can create, you know, this these I think they've got two or three plastic frames, and that covers everything. All we need to do then is provide, you know. Different sales types, different maybe you know different um, maybe a, a metal piece that, that changes it to, from Spanish to French or, or whatever it is. So you know they they've they've gone a very different way. So they've gone quite a generic historic way because that because they could, you know, and commercially that was very sensible. But from our point of view, because everything's very very different, every ship is very different. You know, we we just we just couldn't do that. So resin was the resin was the um, uh, the way we uh, the way we had to go. Well, and Warlord does have you know their, their ships are nice. They have three different sizes. I think they have a brig, a frigate, and a like a third rate ship. Yeah, and they're awesome. But to your point, yeah, I mean they're vanilla, right? So you stick a f- Spanish flag on the back of one. Now it's a Spanish Spanish Armada. You can do American. You can do whatever. You know. I, for me, I was super excited though. You guys picked resin because you know my concern was some of the bigger ships from Warlord are actually metal, and that's no bueno with me. I just big giant chunky metal things are just too hard to put together and the gap filling and stuff. Yeah, I think metal is one of the things that we uh, obviously we traditionally used it because uh, it's the easiest thing for for us to do, um, but it doesn't work so so well for the for the bigger stuff and people are. I guess some people still like it. A lot of people don't. Um, we're try, trying to limit its use now. Um, I haven't got a lot that's coming out in metal. One or two things next next year's release schedule. 
you know, I, I, I'll do it now where if it's going to be a smaller release um, and it just takes pressure off the resin team um, for casting there, then I, I might do something in metal. The odd uh, upgrade set is sometimes easier in metal than it is in, in resin or, or something like that. But yeah, we're certainly trying to limit its use and become a more of a resin a resin and plastic company than a than a metal resin and plastic company. So what you're saying is we should be worried because once Armada takes off and conquers the world, uh, you're not going to have capacity to keep up with all the, the King's War goodness. Uh, well, no, we'll just have to expand because we need to keep up with that as well. <laughs> we obviously touched on the fact it's not Kickstarter. I think I think that's been universally praised, right? That's a great thing. Making it like one-stop shop for the stores, essentially. Here's the rules. Here's the models. Here's everything. And, and I guess to some degree, it looks like you're packaging it Kind of like uh, the what you guys did with Vanguard. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, the Vanguard, the, the Vanguard packaging was the template for <clears throat> for these ones. And obviously, you know, at the minute they've got, you, I think the the mock-ups have just got those uh, that went out with the sales presentations. Just got those gray gray renders of the the models on them. Obviously, the final packaging will have the painted painted pictures on them uh, of the of the ships. But yeah, it was very much it was the Vanguard packaging that was the template for. For this, for this stuff, you know, swap out for some the sea texture, but but keep that that simple front that just says it's this pictures of what you get, uh, armada, it's this many miniatures, and it's you know orc fleet or whatever it is. You know, it's quite simple, but quite uh, quite quite powerful, I think. Yeah, and so obviously there's a two player starter set coming out in November, but then also all the factions over time will have a starter, a booster, and then I'm assuming just like in Vanguard, you'll have additional reinforcement packs. Yeah, so you know the at the at launch, the Abess and the Smasher are going to be available separately, so that it's easier to if you've bought the two-player set to kind of to upgrade, because <clears throat> obviously the starter set uh, contains an Abess um, as well, but um, you might not want to duplicate um, another another Aloe or something from the from the two-player set so it gives you you know it just gives people an opportunity to to upgrade in a different way um <clears throat> but yeah we'll look at down the line you know looking at popularity and, and everything else whether we make ships available individually that's probably that'll probably be by the, the website maybe uh or if there's a huge clamor for it then we'll, we'll have to look at making them individually or or in smaller smaller like you say kind of those those little booster packs or reinforcement packs in in, in different ways you know, maybe they do it as a squadron reinforcement pack or something like that. Um, but certainly, that's the plan. You know, that's the model for um, for the the first four fleets. Um, and I am not anticipating any change to the model for the for the next four. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how this the launch goes and Q one goes. And it may be that you know we 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 change the way that we we structure releases. And I assume that you won't release rules for any faction until you have the models available. Correct. So the starter set uh, has the <clears throat> the cards in it, obviously for the ships that you get, but also for that fleet uh, and that, that fleet's rules. So it may be that in the booster there's a ship that's got you know rule X Y Z, but you'll have got the what you know the ship says I've got rule X Y Z but actually the the actual text for rules X Y Z you'd have got in your starter set because it would be on that on that fleet card. Awesome, awesome. Well, I mean, Vanguard's went over pretty well here. I assume Armada will do the same thing. Let's kind of go back and talk a little bit about the the background and the fluff because you've also got a novel coming out uh, called Tales Tales of Panther Pius from one of my favorites, Mark Barber. 
Uh, what can you tell us about that? When we knew we were doing this, um, obviously, you know, we're t- targeting uh, targeting November. Um, you know, I approached uh, Coach Wintersar, Brandon, and said, "What are the chances that you you can write a book in time to uh, alongside this? You know, I'd like a, a real good action packed naval naval one that go you know to fit alongside." So we had a, had a discussion about it, and he said, "You know, he thought Mark would be Mark would be ideal, being a navy man." Um, and uh, you know, and was probably you know, known as the the author with the the right tone and the right you know, and the knowledge to to do it. So we discussed what it would be. We said, you know, this, we're planning for the the Baselands and the Orcs to be the um, the starter set. So it'd be great to tie in with that. Um, so it's all you know. So it's and it looks like we know what we're doing and we're all cohesive and lined up. Um, and that's exactly what's happened. So Mark's done a fantastic job of uh, of writing it on time. You know, I think he's said um, as much to his um, his wife's dismay. She was a single parent for several weekends while he was trying to hit his deadlines. Um, so uh, you know, huge thanks to her for putting up with that. Um, but he's done a fantastic job. It's a great it's a great book. You know, I haven't I I read it <coughs> sorry last weekend I think or weekend before. Um, made some notes and things to tweak and change but you know nothing nothing major easy things to fix um you know it's a great story great characters and i'd love to see you know the way it ended and the way the characters have developed through it you know i can easily see that becoming two three or more books as they as those characters develop through their careers and their adventures and stuff so it's really good fun some great humor in there you know some great action obviously he's really knowledgeable knowledgeable about ships and naval uh, terminology and all of that stuff so you get that too uh, you know that'll come across um, so yeah really really good but really really well done job by uh, by Brandon and, and Mark and the team really appreciate the uh, the community involvement and the community interaction that Wing Tassar and authors like Mark make because you know I noticed yesterday someone asked a question about a little background of why the uh, the Alohi ship is built the way it is and mark chimed in and said well yes i actually do know a little bit about that and provided a very you know thorough answer in terms of um why it's you know having holy relics built into the hall so i mean that level of interaction is amazing and i think it just goes it just strengthens world building that much farther yeah and there's a ton of you know i the the background for the and the fluff and stuff for the that's going to go in the armada book had already been written um so you know i could send that to uh to mark so he had you know he could and he, so he knew what the ships were going to be like and he knew, you know, that. But he came back and said, well, you know, I, I don't like this and I don't like that. Can you change that? Because that doesn't make sense from a naval point of view and stuff. So, you know, there's some feedback there as well, which went back into the um, the background and stuff that had been written. Um, so there's a little bit of back and forth there. But, you know, there was a, there was a good, it was, it was, yeah, some good good co- collaboration back and forth. Um, and I think, you know, in the background that we've got, just in the rule book itself, I think it'd be, be uh quite exciting just adds adds all to the uh, to the law as well well just uh, many thanks to the folks at mantic because i mean this has been one of those really interesting products that kind of snuck up out of nowhere and you kind of hit us with you know a broadside i don't think a lot of people saw it coming and not only is it coming it's coming on november 21st so it's just a couple months away you know, one question I did want to ask is you know specifically to the stats of the of the ships and stuff obviously you're going to give people cards that just like Vanguard in the starter set, and then the, are they also available in the rulebook itself? No, only on the only on the cards. Um, the rulebook covers the four fleets, so it's pictures of all the ships and, uh, and talks about them all. Um, 
um, and you know their roles and things like that. And the, each each fleet gets a section with a with a breakdown um, on top of the kind of the general fluff. But um, no, the cards themselves are either in the two player set uh, or with the, the models as you buy them. Um, but I've got um, Greg is um, building um, a fleet builder in uh, Easy Army for me. That was my next question. I love Vanguard's card mechanic. It is so awesome. I don't even use Easy Army for, for Vanguard. I just, the cards have the points on them. I just build my army. You know, I have a deck of cards and I build it and then I lay the cards down and then we play the game. So I'm expecting to do more of the same with, with Armada. But uh, was there any questions that I should have asked you about Armada that I did not? Probably not. I mean, are there any, I guess, is, are there any other changes from Black Seas in terms of components? Some of the, obviously, the, the component art and things like that is obviously very different. We've got a very fantasy style, whereas theirs is, um, you know, there looks like they're, um, they're, it fits in with their historical uh, historical aesthetic. Um, our cards, after, after I'd dropped the idea of having this, the sliders on the cards and having um, space to uh, put damage counters and stuff, I've actually doubled the size of the cards. So the, the your ship cards are the same size as the, if you played it, the Walking Dead character cards. So it's, mm-hmm. they're twice the size of a, a normal um, playing card. So they're quite big, quite chunky. So, you know, but, but if you've only got six or seven or whatever it is out them out in front of you you know you don't it, that's fine but they've got they just they've got the space on them to put your upgrades down and put your damage counters down and it keeps that clutter off the table then you know then the only thing you've got on your table is maybe an activation counter or or something like that um, and if you're collecting loot you can put that on the um, on the card or if your card if your ship's on fire you can put that on the on the on the card they're big enough to do that uh, it keeps the table clear um all the other components um kind of are versions of the uh, the black seas ones as i say just with a uh, just with a different style so all that should be familiar to people looking at what's being released you obviously have some some upgraded bits as well you have a a nice mat which is an, i'm assuming a neoprene deluxe mat you've got yes. some acrylic templates basing so the thing that i've been going around in my head is do i want to do mdf bases and actually have the painted waves and the you know the wake and all that or do i want to go with the clear acrylic what are you using for your boats uh, well, we've had the, well, we've had them painted uh, without bases, so that we can then put them on different mats and different things, you know, and put that kind of, you know, the um, like the foam and the wake are, uh, around them and stuff like that. So we did that from a from a photography point of view. Uh, we did we did send the MDF bases off, uh, which is what you get as standard uh, off to the painter, and he's painted them blue for us. But we probably won't probably won't use them because you know it, it looks better for them for. for the, the color shots and the photography shots for for, for selling it and for marketing um, with the um, as we, as we've done them now. Um, actually, I'll let you into a secret because the the, the pictures you've seen so far I did on my phone because <laughs> uh, those those are the only models that we'd had back. So um, the the proper full full color shots are uh, our, our professional photographers working on. Um, so so so, but I think I managed to. To, to pull off some good shots there with my just my phone camera, um, but um, yeah, the so Warlord. One of the things they sell very well is their is their resin bases. You know, obviously sea te- textured ones, but because going back to their generic ships, they've got a generic footprint, so mm. they know exactly what they are, so that they can create. You know, your um, they can create one ship type for their third rate and it will work with whatever third rate you've got because it's the same your ship 
shape um, and footprint is exactly the same. For us to have done resin, we'd have had to have done a unique base for every ship type because they're all different. Um, so we went down the plain MDF route for um, uh, for what you get as basic. So you've got a base that you can you can do, which you can then texture and stuff if you want to. Or as a deluxe version, we did these uh, acrylic ones, and they're, they're similar. To, if you've seen the um, or if you've got the um, Kings of War. Uh, counters and stuff we've done in the in, in the past it's the same thing so it's actually so it's art two-sided art sandwiched between the clear acrylic um so the bases are, are like that with the you know the same sea texture from the mat um sandwiched in that in that acrylic so they're hard wearing so you can stick it either side you know, it doesn't matter and the template set is uh, is the same so it's the art from the uh, that same art that's on the counters but sandwiched between the, the, the acrylics so they're really hard wearing thank matt again Coming on the show, I know a lot of people are, are super excited about this. You know, been waiting for this type of game for a while. Yeah, so keep a lookout. You know, make sure you check with your local friendly neighborhood gaming store to get all your pre-orders in. I know, Rob, you and Billy ha- are, are going to be uh, splitting a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, we're splitting uh, two starters, and then I'm buying all of the Vaseline stuff. I think I at last count I've got 17 ships coming, which is probably too much. But is it really too much? I mean... It's never, it's never too much. Add, add another table. Yeah. Well, we were talking on After Dark last night, Rob, and I'm feeling that at the Countercharge narrative event, we have to have a giant mega battle where we have an Armada game, and then next to the Armada game, we have a land battle with 10 millimeter Kings of War, and it's one giant narrative super battle. Definitely one of the things that is on my wish list. Uh, for the future is integrate some some way some campaign system some a, another game that integrates all of it together so you know you can have an integrated campaign of of armada games and vanguard games and kings of war games and whatever else or as one you know massive cohesive story I think that'd be great yeah that would be a lot of fun right to be able to combine all sort of three uh tenants of the uh kings of war gaming uh world basically a four you're forgetting dungeon saga come on dungeon saga too so some of the audience has uh, kind of sort of counted on in, in many ways you guys are hitting all these niches right you're hitting the naval niche now you have the mass combat game you have the skirmish game has it ever been on a ronnie's mad scientist radar to do um you know some sort of 10 millimeter or epic style rule set because i know a lot of people play kings now in 10 millimeter just through third third party or third you know party companies has that has that ever been on your guys radar everything everyone's everything anyone has thought of is on our radar and and we probably thought of it before they did it's just a question of when to release how to release can we release um because you know if if we were to do well you just can't do everything um so you need to do things at, at, at the right time um you know i think we've timed this one right um but um but yeah i mean we'd, we'd love there's, there's loads of stuff like that we'd love to do um but you know it's 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 um it's practicality and and money and um and you know and not just practicality for ourselves but for customers too you know you can't you can't flood it uh, the market with everything all at once well, we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff for uh, our model launch, so stay tuned to the Countercharge Facebook group. Stay tuned to the After Dark Discord channel. 
Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, paint a fleet in a weekend, a la the armor, uh, paint an army in a weekend challenge from old school after dark. So stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to be getting together to paint our fleets. So uh, in closing, Rob, any shout outs? No, just thanks to Matt for coming on and sharing more details on Armada. I know it's a, I know I, this is the game I've been wanting for a long time, so I am super excited. It's been, uh, been good fun. Um, hopefully you got the information that you needed. So until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. You know, another burning question I have is, I swear, secretly Rob Berman and Andrew Sharp are the same person. Because I never see him physically together. No, and there's always one hotel room. No, Rob is uh, Rob's a, a funny guy. Um, well, you can see that from those crazy Bobby videos. That's actually that's just him normally. Black sails. Front door and mad. I'll pause it while I go sort that out.